1: Presented by SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. You are flying high on the Kissed and Solek show. This is episode 175, brought to you by the five folk at SB Nation and Bleeding Green Nation. I am your host, Michael Kiss. Follow me on Twitter at Michael Kiss NFL. That's K-I-S-T. As always, joined by the best doggone co-host in the game, Mister Nine Year Streak without a bad day. He is Benjamin Solak. Follow him on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S O L A K. Ben. On a scale from Henry Ruggs's forty time to AJ Epenesa's three cone.
2: Okay, try that. Try that name again.
1: Epenesa. Epenesa.
2: AJ Epenesa. 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 Yeah. I've
1: never even not heard it.
2: Epenesa. He's not. He's not a. D-
1: He's not a disease. God, I'm, well, you know, my thing is aggressively mispronouncing names. That's the first time I've heard it pronounced that way. So let's go Ibaneza. with this. Shut up. I'm never going to get it right. On a scale from Henry Ruggs' 40 time to Derek Brown's three cone, how was your experience at the combine?
2: Here, the 40-yard dash being good and the three cone being bad. Correct. Obviously, this, the numbers are flipped, right? So, yeah, know, I'd say I was a solid four two seven man. It was a good time. The, I, I don't know everybody talks about the new schedule, and that was all anybody was talking about the first couple of days. It was really very tiring. It was just extremely long days. <laughs> having to care about a lot of things. And then by the end, you just kind of collapsed and pulled yourself out of bed at 6.30 in the morning to go back at 8 a.m. to get quotes. I mean, I swear, if I was this tired, I have no idea how the prospects do it. I've had to do meetings with teams among like all the coverage yeah. we had to do. Oh, man. But no, it was a good time. Uh, Class is fun, man. I really realized as I was driving away, like been doing the draft pretty seriously. This will be my third year doing it really seriously, I would say. I've been into it for like four or five years. Yeah. This is probably the best class we've had that I've, that I've gotten to cover. This is a really freaking talented group. There's tight end. And then every other position has at least one dude who's like legitimately thrilling. Yeah. As a prospect, which is a ton of fun. So I, it's a really fun class. I'm excited about it. We got some good talent, and then the Eagles were a huge focus of the freaking combine, which was new. Uh, so that was fun as well.
1: What could go wrong with such a deep class for the Philadelphia Eagles? We'll find out in a couple of months, or maybe during this I'm season. I'm gonna write
2: about that. I'm I'm I, I've committed myself, and I gotta write this down so I don't forget. I'm gonna write about everybody's to calm down about deep classes, <laughs>
1: <laughs> like historically down. deep classes because it's hyperbolic. Is that what you mean?
2: I cannot tell you how many times, like, oh. This, this, 2017 defensive end class was historic. Eagles only got Derek Barnett. 2017 running back class <laughs> so was historic. Eagles only got Denell Pumphrey. Yeah, yeah. Sometimes things don't work, guys. Yeah. Like I don't know what you want from me.
1: Right. The running back class was less talented, and they ended up, you know, hitting on Miles Sanders. So sometimes you hit, sometimes you don't. It's 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 like to the point where, and I told you this on Twitter. It's to the point where any class that is deemed historic for a certain position is actually a negative in the eyes of Eagles fans, which is a complete overreaction.
2: Which is what I want to write about.
1: Let's talk about maybe another overreaction as we have news coming out around the Combine about Andre Dillard and Jason Peters. It's a weird situation. Of course, we're going to talk about a lot of Combine stuff, winners and losers and all that stuff, and I have that covered on the BGN Draft Specials 6 through 8. I went through wide receivers, DBs, I talked with John Ledger and all that stuff. I do want to touch on this before we get to that because this is from Albert Breer, on Monday Monday Morning Quarterback for Sports Illustrated. He says, quote, I'm not sure the Eagles have a set-in-stone decision made on Jason Peters yet, and I know there is split opinion in the building on whether to keep Peters for one more year or go with second-year left tackle Andre Dillard and use the money saved to further bolster the line. We know the importance GM Howie Roseman puts on the line of scrimmage, so it's not hard to see how he and the organization would view this decision as critical unquote. And I would agree that it is, in fact, a critical decision because there are also rumors that Lance Zerline has put out there. Tim McManus has now put out there that the Eagles are open to the idea or possibly shopping Andre Dillard as a trade target. I think this is uh, a little bit overblown. I'm still concerned by it, uh, especially when it comes to Dillard and how the organization views him because they're going to have a better idea of where he's at than we do just based on you know the stuff that we hear about maybe his mentality and stuff like that so ben uh, your thoughts on this situation
2: so there are like a lot of things right we'll go from most concerning to least concerning mm-hmm. the most concerning thing is not jason peters potentially playing again or whatever the most concerning thing is that the eagles would draft andre dillard trade up in the first round to draft andre dillard and then a year later want to trade him yeah right now why would they do this evidently Their opinion has changed drastically on Dillard over the last 10 months. Because I think if you're in April and you're looking at drafting a guy and you ask yourself a hypothetical question, could we see ourselves wanting to trade him away in a year? If you would answer yes to that question, (laughs) you would not trade up to go get him in the first round. (laughs) So I believe firmly that the Eagles did not think they would be in a position where they were going to trade Andre Dillard in April 2019. And here they are in February 2020, allegedly in that position. How did they get here? either one wholesale failure across the board of the scouting department to fail to identify uh you know whatever it is developmentally that they think dillard can't handle mentally emotionally you know he got into the fight in training camp he's soft whatever it is right yeah wholesale failure across the board in which case kudos to you for quickly pulling the plug but how did we get here how did we waste that pick in the first place right or number two just the firing of Joe D- not firing, just the Joe Douglas getting hired away by the Jets. If Dillard was like a, a Douglas pick, which I don't necessarily think he was. I
1: think from what I've read, Howie Roseman, Doug Peterson, and Joe Douglas were both very high on Dillard. All three did not expect him to be there. All three had them like, I think it was a consensus top 10 player on their board that they didn't think would be there.
2: Right. So the question is, just losing Douglas slash Barry, keeping all of your main guys, was did, was there one voice in the room that was so loud on Dillard that's no longer there anymore? In yeah. which case, how was that decision made consensus-wise? Because I agree with you. What I generally understand about the pick was it was made on a consensus among the main players, Roseman, Doug, who are still there. Which brings us back to point one, which is that how has their opinion on this dude fundamentally changed since then so most concerning thing there's the potential of trading dillard second most concerning thing if the eagles are uncertain on dillard that affecting whether or not they bring jason peters back isn't great process Mm. because i'm here to tell you let's say they keep dillard and they bring jason peters back dillard is going to have no more starts this year than he, or this time next year than he does this time this year. Yeah. Jace Peters, probably going to play the whole time. Or, Dillard gets random situational play like he did this past year, stepping in at right tackle, which he could not do successfully. Or, Peters goes down for a significant period of time, and now you have to start Dillard on the timeline you anticipated in the first place, but you gave him a massive vote of no confidence by bringing back the guy he was supposed to replace. Yeah. So, so, I fail to see the path Where the Eagles bring back Peters this year, and it, like, helps Dillard develop. The only way it does is if Peters plays for 16 games, Dillard never sees the field, and he really takes to coaching his second year. Which, if that's Stoutland's opinion on what's necessary, like, I've seen another year with this guy to really iron things out, then sure. Mm. But to me, like, there's a lot of ways in which this goes wrong. Because whether or not it was correct, the implication when Dillard was drafted... After Peters was on a contract year, was Peters going to finish this year and then Dillard's going to play? Any change in the plan is going to negatively reflect on Dillard, no matter how you sell it. Right? right? It's
1: a, it's an adjustment that needs to be made because of Dillard. Because when he came out, we said, okay, he slipped. This is the perfect right. situation for him. He's got Jason Peters as a mentor. He's got Jeff Stoutland as a coach. He needs to add some functional strength. He never really ran block. He wasn't a run blocker at Washington State. These are all areas that like the Eagles can help him with. If it takes more than a year, which was the plan, then yeah, it reflects negatively on Dillard for sure. And it reflects negatively on the Eagles because they're ultimately the one that took him.
2: And we talk about this a lot with quarterbacks, but it probably matters for every position. I would argue it does, period, matter for every position. Like once you draft the dude early, you're, you are you have a ticking clock for starting him at yeah. some point. And, and if you don't on the anticipated timeline, which in Dillard's case was he was going to redshirt 2019 to play 2020, it's all, immediately a referendum on him. Is that a death knoll? Absolutely not but it does introduce a, a fair bit of doubt that you don't want to have to consume. The third and final least most concerning thing for me about this whole thing is the fact that the Eagles, Doug Peterson, Howie Roseman, said they wanted Jason Peters back. Yeah. Do you, like <laughs> yeah. like... Okay, here's my thing with this, because I was there at the presser when he said it, right? After this whole, you know, their 48 hours of, like, how could the Eagles possibly say this? I was reflecting on it, right? And I was like... I when well, I'm just seeing quotes on Twitter I probably also would get equally worked up but in person I don't know it's it's presser talk mm. like like it's not as if the range of possible responses that were available to Howie and Doug were no we do not want Jason <laughs> Peters back in the building to yes we're trying to get Jason Peters back in the building yeah 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 right they either could say we are actively trying to get Jason Peters back we would like getting Jace Peters back, but we haven't really like heard from his reps or talked about him about it or really made any moves there. Or we anticipate moving on from Jason Peters this year. We love everything Jason Peters has done for the organization. We really appreciate Jason Peters. We would have him back, but we drafted Andre Dillon. We don't want to spend the money on him. We want to go spend the money somewhere else. And we think Jason Peters is a great player. Wherever he goes, is going to be tremendous. Jason Peters is going to go play somewhere else, right?
1: No no, no GM, no coach is giving that answer that you just gave. Well, right. So <laughs> That's that, but, that,
2: like... but I mean, like, the thing is, like, that third answer is available in the right. sense of, like, yeah. you know, we're going to let him test the market. Yeah. But you do it with, like, 85 qualifiers of how much you still love him, right, 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 right. Right? Those were the three options. It was either strong yes, weak yes, or we're going to let him walk and we love him to death. Yeah, yeah, yeah. When it comes to a player of Jason Peters' caliber, letting him walk for what he is for the locker room and if he wants to continue playing, what he's meant to the city on the first Super Bowl and whatever, it's a hard answer to give. Especially when you understand how much owner Jeffrey Laurie is tied with Jason Peters. Yeah. You don't want to stand up there when your owner's... Your owner could potentially come over your head, which obviously they're trying to argue with us that the owner did not come over the head for the Mike Grohl firing, for the Carson Walsh firing. But you and I and, and listeners, we all know Lurie came out of Doug's head. You don't want to get in a situation again where you're like, we're going to let him walk. And then Lurie's like, I like Jason Peters. I want him back. Right. And all of a sudden now it's the second time in a row you're going to get hammered. Yeah. So the weakest option they had. Was exactly what they said, and yeah, of course, you know when they were asked, like they asked Doug, like, "Hey, do you want Jason Peters back?" And Doug was like, "Heck yeah!" Yeah, and everybody was like, "Oh my gosh!" He said, "Heck yeah!" This is just a person responding to a question, right? And then he like goes on to say, like, "There's a lot of stuff that goes into that, but who wouldn't want Jason Peters back, right?" This is the most banal, benign coach speak that's ever existed, and there's no reason to assume this at all moves the needle on Peters. Now, this in conjunction with the Eagles are trying to trade Dillard. Yeah is a little bit too much smoke for you to say there's no fire, but it is a bit of a, of a, you know, like people I'm sure went digging and hunting for Dillard info after they felt there was a strong commitment to Peters on the podium. So I'm not really sure if, if it's kind of the, the snowball rolling down the mountain here a little bit. Yeah. Regardless, we did it to calm down. I don't, <laughs> Howie and Doug answered the question exactly as you would predict they would answer the question if you took 10 seconds to think about it. And then since then, it's kind of just been like, mm. you know, a uh, runaway... Flight train here.
1: Yeah, I've always been of the attitude like these are just words. And like you said, I thought it was a weak response and Doug even said there's a lot that goes into it, which there is. And you can ask, Well, how can the Eagles bring back Jason Peters? Well, if Dillard ain't getting it done, buddy, that's how you bring back Jay. you you forget your pride, protect your quarterback. You know, you can't you can't get stuck saying, well, we we can't it'll be a bad PR move if we bring, you know, Jason Peters back and we want to get younger and whatnot. So we're going to go kill our freaking quarterback. That's that's not the move. So, yeah, I I agree. I I think that's a a lot of it overblown. There are some concerning parts to it. I'm not completely dismissing it. Uh, Ben, any last words on that before we move on to the combine stuff?
2: At some point, you got to play Dillard. Yeah, (laughs) I like I agree with you fundamentally, like you don't get your quarterback killed for the sake of not looking wrong. Yes at some point you have to play dillard oh i agree if and i like intentionally plays if you don't he's going to be coming in off the bench behind peters so he's going to get playing time anyway but he's not going to be prepping like he's the starter and secondly you're going to be able to continue justifying playing peters for as long as he wants to play eventually you have to choose not to play him anymore right. like yeah. I, i'm like unless you can convince peters to retire yeah. which like that's what we're that's, – that's kind of what you're hoping for here if you're an Eagles fan is the Eagles and Peters kind of say like, hey, maybe it's just time you retire and I think you would like retirement and and, and you should retire now.
1: Yeah. I mean you're going to have to play Peters or you're going to have to play Dillard anyway because Peters is going to miss some time. And you know, you hope – in that scenario, if you bring back Peters and Peters is the starter and then he goes down – the hope is that Dillard comes on and takes that job and they can't take him off the field. That would be my hope anyway. So I agree. I mean, they're going to have to play him anyway. All right. Let's get in to some combine talk. I had given my thoughts on the wide receivers on the defensive backs. Those the BGN draft specials episodes six through eight. So check that out. But Ben, any major takeaways that any guys move up, fall down your board? Let's talk about wide receivers First. There was the weird LaVisca Chenault injury uh that, that caused his slow forty times. So I'm not necessarily counting that. However, it is bad that it's it's another flag put up in the injury column for Chenault. Justin Jefferson runs great. Henry Ruggs runs exactly what you know we thought he was gonna run. So I don't think there was any change there. What are your thoughts on maybe some risers and fallers from the wide receiver group?
2: The fact that LaVisca had to pull up with injury. Best thing to have in Eagles fans. <laughs> if he's there twenty one. Still in? There's exactly one receiver I would take for the Eagles over LaVisca Chenault at 21, and that's CeeDee Lamb. He's not going to be there anyway, so it'll matter. Yeah. In terms of specifically at 21, Ruggs ain't going to be there. Lamb ain't going to be there. Mm. Judy didn't have a great day. Still don't think he's going to be there.
1: It's just, There's this weird thing with the Eagles fans. It's like, well, now that Ruggs has run the 4 I don't think he's going to be there. He was never going to be there brother. 21. <laughs> we do. this.
2: TDN, they got we got a simulator. Sometimes Ruggs is there at 21 because... Sometimes the computer passes on him. I would say it is not happening. Yeah. I would say it is not likely. And so I'm sorry if that has has you know kind of skewed your perception on possible outcomes. Don't think it's going to be rugs. Don't think it's lamb. Don't think Judy will be available. If Judy's available, he does make a lot of sense. The, my main concern is that he primarily works from the slot at Alabama mm-hmm. and the Eagles slot receivers are their tight ends, so he would need to become more comfortable working on the outside. If this is beginning to sound like Nelson Aguilar to you, it's okay judy's a lot better player than nelson aguilar
1: same thing with justin jefferson would you say
2: yeah that was that was the player i was going to get to right so i think visca's there and i would love that pick two other names that get thrown around now after their combine one is justin jefferson who mike brought up at lsu i don't think jefferson's film is good enough that he should be going in the first round i also don't think that being a little bit faster than we thought he was going to be right significantly moves the needle on a player like jefferson jefferson played in the LSU uh, vertical spread air raid offense. They had three NFL caliber receivers. Jamar Chase was the best of them. He's eligible next year, and he played their X role. He played on the outside up on the line of scrimmage. Accordingly, Jefferson, who was a higher volume target, operated out of a slot. And In a vertical spread offense, your slot receiver has a lot of stuff available to him because outside receivers, Chase and Terrence Marshall, are very frequently working nine routes up up the sideline. And When the the Tigers went three by one, isolated tight end out week, they would take Marshall and put him on the outside so they could have Jamar Chase run routes because Chase is a really good player. Jefferson primarily operated on another slot for them and was a short-to-intermediate separator. Jefferson was at his best on quick-breaking routes against off coverage. When he encountered press coverage, which was infrequent, he showed good release moves, but he's not a particularly physical or strong dude with active hands. He yeah. preferred to kind of keep things at arm's length, which is an indicator that he's going to be able to stay in the slot. More successfully, he's going to be able to stay uh, move outside in the league and play against press. Really, really good and impressive catch radius, short intermediate. I really like yeah. how quick and natural his hands are. I think he he IDs balls really instinctively. So those those fast heaters Carson throws over the intermediate level, yes. Jefferson would be fine with handling, suckering those in. He'd be great there.
1: Yeah, reaction time, body control, all that stuff, I agree. Yeah. Very strong for him.
2: With that said, Jefferson's scope of, of deep targets was limited in his final season, and his success there was also not as, as notable as success on short to intermediate breaking stuff. People like to point to the Texas team. Texas game was a good game. Second game of the season. Next eleven games of the season, next two playoff games, LCU's not throwing him downfield targets that much. Yeah. It's not where, where he wins the most successfully. He's not a good above the rim receiver. He ran that four four three, but his play speed really doesn't seem like a low four four player. He likes to play with rhythm and pace and change his speeds. Yeah. You know, shifting through gears like a sports car, not necessarily just zero to sixty and I'm gonna play at a at a large speed. He's a good player. Yeah. I don't think he has round one film. And I don't think he's a field stretcher. He's never shown that on film, which is what Eagles fans seem to really want. Uh, I think Jefferson would be a fine fit. I would think they would target him more at 53 than they would at 21 for his skill set. I don't think he's he's the uh, you know three-level home run threat, opens up the whole offense sort of receiver that you need. I do believe Denzel Mims is closer to that. And that's the other receiver I've seen in conversation at 21 overall. He often goes at actually at 30 overall in first round mock drafts to the Packers. Mims out of Baylor had himself an unbelievable week of testing. We also already knew Mims was a really good athlete. Like Jefferson it was a little bit like, is here, isn't he? And he came out really nice. Mims already knew was a good athlete. He tested better than I think a lot of people expected, but he was clearly already a good athlete on film. He's got a better intermediate to downfield profile. is really good on a back shoulder adjustment, highly acrobatic catches, full extension, really good body control on the sideline, great tracking ability, plays with a ton of leverage down the field. I really like Denzel Mims. To me, he's like Kenny Galladay, if yeah. Kenny Galladay had bunnies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 21's probably a bit too high on him. That really only makes sense if all the like Lamb, Rugs, LaVisca, Judy, Rager all off the board I think it's when we start having the conversation about Mims now Mims is is Alshon Jeffrey replacement he's your ex-receiver you can play him on the outside so the, the scheme fits a little bit better I don't think Mims makes it to 53 to be honest I don't think Jefferson does either but 21 to me is a little rich for both of them so if you want the Eagles to trade back right and attack receiver maybe in the 30s Mims and Jefferson are your targets at 21 I would call that a bit of a reach at this stage
1: yeah and Dane Brugler said about Mims however high you are on Mims it's probably too low based on what he's hearing from from the league, right. and I would definitely uh, agree with that from what I've heard as well. What what about the weird col- combine from Jalen Rager who, or J- excuse me, Jalen Rager who comes in eleven pounds heavier, was supposed to contend with Henry Ruggs for the fastest forty time and does not runs a 7 Looks yoked up, looks extremely yoked up in the right. in the you know and the on the jumps he was fantastic, looked nice and explosive. His day started off really well and then hits a four four seven. What did you take away from that? Because it was weird for me.
2: uh, uh, Jalen Rager ran an above average 40-yard dash, 61st percentile, I believe, Mm -hmm. 447, and an above average weight, 206. Mm -hmm. He was faster than the average receiver while also being heavier than the the average receiver. From a speed score perspective, which speed score uh, takes a a prospect's uh, weight and puts it over his speed. And so the heavier you are and the faster you're running, i.e. a lower time, lower duration for the run, the better your speed score is. Rigo's are really a highly competitive speed score. Uh, one of the best in the class. Did he really play at 206? I don't think so. I think he played at 195. Yeah, I agree. Was he running in the 4-3s at 195? Maybe. Maybe. Why come in at 206? I don't know. Maybe the feedback his agent, his camp got from teams that they were more concerned with his density than they were with his speed and they they would say listen as long as he shows he can put on the mass we know he can run a 4-3 maybe a rager comes into his pro day in four weeks at 198 and runs a 4-3-9 on the friendly track who knows right (laughs) nothing that rager did at the combine gives me a pause on his play speed Hmm. nothing he did at the combine gives me any pause on his explosiveness right because like the jumps were 97th 98th percentile right he was above average in every measure except for height and arm length, until he got to the agility drills. And then, much like DK Metcalf last year, a guy who's just super rocked up, super dense, incredibly tightly wound, just a ton of muscle on his frame, was really bad in terms of flexibility and agility. (laughs) And it's just like, why are you running this drill? Like, if Rager did not run those drills, we would all be like, Rager had a great combine. Yep. Didn't run four threes, but he had a great combine. Mm -hmm. But instead, he did, and now it's like, is he going to suck? No, he's not. If you have concerns about a two hundred and six pound guy who can jump forty two inches, run a four ability to get vertical, you know, like I, it's he's a really good player and he's really good in contested situations because of the vertical ability because he's got a big hand size and he, I think mean, he secures the ball nicely away from his frame. Like he is really, really good in his role. Is he gonna make as many dudes miss in space as freaking KJ Hamler? Probably not. Right. Hamler's always been a quicker player for me since day one. You yeah, know what oh I mean? Yeah. Like and, and Hamler didn't test. But Hammer's already, already always been the fluid, more looser, more loose player uh, than uh, than Rager is. Rager for his role and for what he did on film, his testing uh, gives me absolutely zero qualms. I still like him at twenty-one. Uh, I think there's options I would like better. Um, but Rager at twenty-one to me is a fine pick.
1: I think it's a bit of a reach for what I've seen, but I think we're, we're different on Rager and we're on where we put them. You mentioned Hamlin. I just want to put it out there. His place being on film is just ridiculous, man. The dude has such crazy juice. It is wild. He gets on top of dudes. So I can't wait to see what, what he runs at the pro day and all that stuff. Obviously, he didn't compete in the combine. When we come back here on the Kiss and Solak Show, we'll uh, we'll flip sides. We'll talk about some defensive players at the combine. Stocks rising, and stocks fall, and that's coming up next here on the Kiss and Solak Show. And we are back here on the Kist and Solak Show, episode 175, SB Nation, Bleedy Green Nation, bringing it to you. Michael Kist here with Benjamin Solak. Ben, let's talk about these defensive backs.
2: I've officially had six people now at me at Ross Tucker's announcement that he's gonna be the color analyst for preseason games. I literally could not be more proud of our followership. It's amazing. Ross has to be so confused because I like responded and Ross follows me. I was like, "Hey Ross, like, congrats! That's really good." And he was like, "Cool." And then somebody else me responded. I was like, "Ben, this is really big of you." And I think Ross is just like, "Why?"
1: <laughs> that anyway, it's incredible. Poor Ross trying to figure it out. Let's talk about these defensive backs. At the combine, I had a I had a couple of losers because Damon Arnett, who is a guy that a lot of people love from Ohio State, came in with short arms, thirty inches, 454, 40 yard dash isn't going to do him any favors. So he was I put him in the in the losers for my combine article. Also, Cameron Dansler at one eighty eight less than 31 inch arms tell
2: people about Cameron Dansler. yeah I don't
1: like Dansler. I don't I, I don't think he can add weight to that frame and he ran a 4.64 like that's the cutoff like unless you're Josh Norman and you have maybe two good years in you there's no example of a quarterback cornerback that has run that slow that is good in the NFL and Dansler did it at a really light weight and has trouble keeping on mass so that's a problem so Dansler and Arnett were two of my losers uh Ben what about you who do you think uh stuck falling uh, especially specifically away from the Eagles at twenty one.
2: Imagine saying Damon Arnett is a loser. I just did. Uninspired, <laughs> fearful. I love Damon Arnett's film.
1: I love it too. I think it's great film.
2: I have no concerns with the four five six. Okay. I watching his film. I was like, he's probably going to run a bad forty, and I'm going to have to deal with it. Right. Um. And four five six isn't that bad. Um. But yeah, and, and it wasn't that great. And the arms. Oh well, you know yeah that's bad i thought that was gonna be better <laughs> i know. i was like i'll i'll start with saying something and then it'll sound like i have something to say but it turns out i didn't
1: for a guy for that wins at the line yeah that's that's a red flag so uh what about let, let's talk about targets maybe at 21 i think the legitimate targets obviously jeffrey okuda is not going to be there uh he had a fantastic combine by the way. okuda okuda Do you just
2: not listen to anything ever
1: aj ebenezer <laughs> ebenezer <laughs> yeah.
2: how, i cannot believe you didn't know how to pronounce jeffrey kuda's last name I, I, okuda.
1: I vacillate between okuda and okuda and i never know which one is right it's
2: a, like i maybe it's just because like i'm so indoctrinated in it like i'm so embedded in it
1: but like how have you never heard okuda's name <laughs> <laughs> i've heard of it much more football all right guys all right so jeffrey that guy jeffrey o is not going to be there at 21 but christian fulton
0: mm-hmm. who i thought
1: had a good combine Jeff Gladney, who I thought had a good combine outside of the three cone, which was fourth percentile. Nobody worry about that because I love him. Nobody say anything bad about Jeffrey Gladney. Is there anybody else sitting there at 21 based on their combine? Maybe Trayvon Diggs, who's got to do all of his work at the pro day. He's been mocked there, but I don't necessarily know. Uh, I actually think he's going to test. Well, I think this be concerns are kind of weird with him. I think he can turn and run.
2: You know what a bad combine is Jeff Gladney. God dang it. No, he didn't. He had a good call by yeah yeah, 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 yeah. I just don't think his film is that good. I think people get people are like, wow, look at how fast
1: his feet are going. I'm like, yeah, they shouldn't be moving right now. But wow, look at how fast feet. He's sticky though, man. He's sticky. He's super feisty. Like it's he's just kind of
2: he's he's too jumpy. He's too aggressive. He's too all over the place. Like mm-hmm. everybody's like, oh, his footwork's great. It's really not. Like there's a lot going on there, yeah. Exactly. He's gotta chill. Like he reacts That's a little great. bit overly to a lot of release moves and puts himself in a recovery position he doesn't need to be in. Yeah. Now, in terms of corner Options at 21. Christian Fulton is the only one that interests me. And Fulton came in with smaller arms than you'd like to see. He had 30 and 5 8 inch arms. It's not prohibitively bad, but it's not great. Under six foot, under 200 by a bit. Yeah. He's 5'11 and 5'8. He's 197. He's fine. Yeah, yeah. yeah. But he ran a 4'4'6, four, four, three cone under seven, short shuttle 4'3'6, which short shuttle is actually a little bit average, which is annoying, but the three cone at 6'9'4 is delightful. Mm. Jumps were good. He had a, a, a quality day of testing. He remains to be a guy where it's like, I'm waiting for in the inevitable, you know, freaking like Albert Breer or some, some like national guy who like just comes around to the draft this time of year. Has a bunch of sources to be like, I've talked with seven dudes yeah. and none of them like Christian Fulton. Right. Because like I've, he very much profiles to me as somebody that we like on the internet who just isn't valued as much by teams. To me, Fulton at 21 makes a ton of sense, especially if Jim wants to continue playing his corners off. Uh Fulton. You have to. He's not great in in the half turn, which like gives me some bad Ronald Darby vibes. (laughs) But in terms of at the line of scrimmage or reading into short area breaks, he's really, really good. I would want to get him up at the line, but to me, I would just always want to get my corners up on the line regardless. Uh, And that's not necessarily something that that Jim likes to get into. But to me, full. And I don't know if I'd be in on Damon Arnett at twenty one. He'd probably be a guy I'd rather be a little bit later in the first four. But I wouldn't hate it by any stretch of the imagination. He, Fulton and Akuda are my three top three corners in this class. Comfy.
1: Mm. And Arnett has the character concerns too. So I think it was a pro- I think my biggest problem for Arnett was he didn't check the boxes he needed to check with the arms and the forty necessarily. And then he also had the character concern coming into the combine. So the interviews were going to be extremely important for him anyway. So if he falls in the draft, I think we kind of understand how that went in terms of Fulton, I had an interesting question for you that you didn't answer on Twitter. So I'm going to ask you now. So you have to answer with mm-hmm. Fulton. There's this idea that he might not be the greatest at the catch point. You mentioned Darby because that's like the prototypical, you know, wave that we see right. against quarterbacks. Now, you know, they can Darby's athletic, but he sucks at the catch point, just like point blank period with Fulton. I thought a lot of his catch point stuff was good. He also had to play early on in the season. Colin Johnson from Texas, who is over six, five. He also had to play T. Higgins, who's over 6'5", and he gave up some big catches to him. Those are large human beings. Do you think the idea that Fulton and the PFF analytics say the opposite? They say he's very good in the air at the catch point and whatnot, and I thought some of his film was too, but do you think we're placing uh, too much blame on Fulton for those plays given up against those super tall wide receivers, and maybe that's why that perception is out there perhaps unfairly?
2: So let's define play at the catch point. Yeah. Because what I hear you saying is, downfield contested catch let's talk about
1: yeah we'll keep it there yeah
2: back to the ball because i'm in the trail position playing through the receiver's hands into the catch point as the ball arrives right sure on average there is maybe one corner in a class who's good at it this year it's jeffrey Akuda. damon arnett also pretty 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 skilled at it Yeah. yeah yeah so on average one maybe two dudes who are who have that skill consistently those guys go at the top of the draft (laughs) <laughs> right if you're gonna tell me I don't, I don't want this corner in round one because i don't like his ability to play with the back to the ball i'm here to tell you you're not gonna like most corners in round one <laughs> playing with your back to the ball is incredibly difficult especially when you're up against guys of that size right for in the example of um, uh uh colin johnson texas it's the only way they target colin johnson yeah right it's what they do with colin johnson right. they throw him jump balls because Corners are at a natural disadvantage against Colin Johnson with their back to the ball in those back shoulder fade situations, right? So, we start there. All other catch point stuff. Zone drop, Mm. click and close, Mm. short area. Mm -hmm. Man coverage in the short area. Man cover in the intermediate area. Man cover to the sideline.
1: Fulton's good in those areas, man.
2: I can can pull a couple clips of, of each different context and explain to you why I think Fulton's really skilled here. Yeah. I can also... Pull you a couple clips across the course of seasons for Fulton. I actually have one from 2018 Georgia on my timeline from summer work of Fulton having a tremendous adjustment to a back shoulder ball with his back to the ball in the trail downfield. Mm-hmm. Right? Now it's not over his head, it's a back shoulder throw, so he doesn't have to elevate for it. But with his trail arm, he breaks up a pass that was coming behind his back on his back shoulder. The the pass that's it quote unquote, if thrown correctly, is impossible to defend the back shoulder fade, right? And Fullen breaks up the catch point. Perfect timing, no DPI, he doesn't put a hand on the ball, puts a hand on the receiver right in time, He can't catch it. It was Miko Hardman was mm. is the, is the receiver. So I can find you the plays. I agree. Fullen, not with any degree of, of consistency, was he like a Jeffrey Okuda caliber down the field, back to the ball, incredible instincts, incredible vision, defender. Most everybody not named Jeffrey Okuda also wasn't. So, like, again, like, if you don't like a receiver or a corner for that reason, you're not going to like any corners. That's, that's it. A, that's a, a, it's like, you know, oh, man, I didn't like this edge because he didn't win any pass rushes when he was double teamed. <laughs> Brother, if you're winning a pass <laughs> rush when you're double teamed, you're Aaron Donald. Oh, right, 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 right. Right? Yeah. You're not supposed to be able to do it. Yeah. Sometimes the other team makes good plays. my number one rule, right? And so, to me, I just, like, I don't knock Fulton for it the same way I don't knock hopefully a bunch of other corners for it and i'm a lot lower on those guys than i am on fulton for other reasons that i think are more reasonably within what can be expected out of their gameplay so Fulton at 21 is fine to me i thought fulton had a fine combine the the one dude who i need to watch now at corner after the combine he's actually a temple kid he's his name is his name is harrison hand which hand is a good last name it for is. a corner yeah. i feel like yep yeah, it's like i i can hear kenny albert making a hand got hands joke already in my in my head daryl johnson being upset with him <laughs> harrison hand i was a baylor transfer no yes because t- okay matt rule was at temple and then he went to baylor right. and harrison hand was at baylor and went to temple i think that's it it's very confusing harrison hands at temple used to be a baylor Five eleven, buck 97 31 and three fourth inch arms ran a 452 in the 40 which if you're listening that's pretty much christian fulton's measurements to a t but then he out 41 inches in the vert 11 one in the broad ran a four two seven three uh short shuttle a seven one five three cone both of which are quality numbers explosive quick quality size and then apparently he's got if you like ball production this hand kid apparently has got ball production out the wazoo at his last year or two at temple um so if there's anybody who's listening to the a temple fan at benjamin solak tell me about harrison hand but he's for sure, a watch this guy because he's got really consistent numbers across the board.
1: Another guy that you haven't mentioned at 21 that I want to touch on briefly before we get to a couple of, of safeties. You haven't mentioned CJ Henderson. And this is a guy that Jeremiah said may go top 10 or may go, may, we will go.
0: <laughs> we'll go top Everybody's... 15.
1: I'm sorry. We'll go top 15. Daniel Jeremiah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Said CJ Henderson will go.
2: Top 15. Top 15. Top 15. Yeah. Where and when and why?
1: During the combine. They just He just said it well he was probably about to run his 40 i thought it was very interesting because um i got serious questions about the young man's uh competitive toughness i think all the athleticism is is there obviously was on display at the combine around four three nine all that stuff was really fluid on the on-field drills i have serious serious questions about him what about you And,
2: and listen i get it i honestly do you know what i mean like i like reacted there because i'm surprised that that's they feel comfortable enough guaranteeing that he is a about as good as a man cover defender as you find in this class. I just think he's a little sloppy, he's a little lazy, and doesn't like to tackle. I agree. And that's, like, usually... And it's, and, it's,
1: and it's not just the tackling where he's lazy and sloppy, it's his technique at the beginning of the right. rep. And that's why he has to re- recover on some of these. The, the rep against Jamar Chase, against LSU, He's lazy as heck at the beginning of the rep, and then he has to recover and and make up make up ground, and then you know gets the gets the pass breakup. But like, it doesn't happen unless he's sloppy and lazy in the beginning of the rep, which is all over his film.
2: Right. So to me, and like it's funny because usually us media fellas, right, us us guys are like, we don't care. He's really good at man coverage. That's what's the matter. That's the end. Then NFL coaches are like, he's got to finish the play. <laughs> so we're guaranteeing a top 15 pick apparently coaches feel strongly enough about his man cover ability or have heard enough from out of, out of the program with, with with Henderson I'm just like I'll put it to you this way you show I, I showed you Henderson's 20 best plays you'd be like yeah fifth, top 15 lock it's just the the ancillary stuff does not indicate to me that that the NFL would be so strong on him for DJ to say that I'll put it to you this way if Henderson's there at 21 I think they'll like him Jim doesn't care about like he like quote unquote Likes competitive corners, but he's fielded two corners who can't tackle for the past two and a half years, (laughs) right? So, like to me, like I'll believe when I see it. And he's a Florida kid, so how he's gonna love him? Yeah. So yeah, I mean, like I don't have him there, but if if Henderson's there at twenty one, they'll be interested. I don't think they're gonna go that direction in general, and I would hope they would go Fulton over Henderson, God willing. But if Henderson's gonna go top fifteen, then I guess it doesn't matter, does it?
1: Exactly. All right, let's get to a couple of safeties before we get out of here. And I think one is a guy that you really like and I really like. And another is a guy who's kind of polarizing, but uh, actually had a pretty decent combine. Tell me about Jeremy Chin. Jeremy Chin! You already know. You already knew, you already knew I was going with it. Southern Illinois, 446, 40-yard dash, 11.6 rod jump, 41-inch vertical. This is a guy I would hope people would sleep on. It is He is not sleeper caliber anymore. He is, hello, Jeremy Chin, after the combine. Healthy. Healthy. <laughs> He's a healthy young man. Yeah, he's good. He's
2: been eating his greens. <laughs> he's been taking his vitamins. Yeah,
1: He did that. He, by the <laughs> way, he did that at 219 pounds.
2: Big young man. <laughs> oh, man. I talked to Jeremy Chin at the Senior Bowl. He's got that sort of like, just please get me out of this room and put me on the football field. I just want to hit somebody vibe to him a little bit. bit. Where he's just like, this is the worst thing that's ever happened to me. But it's okay because he needs to go practice in two hours. Which, you know, not conducive to grabbing quotes, but it is a fun vibe for the safety. Yeah. Jeremy Chin. Right. It's like, it's tricky because him and Kyle Duggar, the, the Lenoir Ryan kid, uh, both of them test out of their minds, both of them are these like 220 pound plus box safeties. If you watch one half of their film, like a half of one game, you've watched all their film because mm-hmm. it's all exactly the same. Yeah. It's just like, this is not like, like the Nasir Adderley Delaware film. You were like, this is a really good athlete chin and, and Kyle dugger like this is an adult playing with children <laughs> like it's it, the the difference because it, it's, it's i think it, it's <laughs> like i think it's like a worse caliber of competition number one versus the delaware blue hens and this here yeah and then number two chin and Duggar are both bigger dudes and better athletes at their size right i agree so i like you watch chin fly around the field and you're like this is like he's cam chancellor right the Kyle dugger is like keanu o'neill you know what i mean it's just like massive middle of the field guys who apparently can get everywhere because they're stupid fast for their size and just want to take kids heads off right Right. and like they're playing against the freaking youngstown state penguins right and whatever Lenoir ryan played against which i don't remember who they played right so
1: a bunch of regional managers for like bed bath and beyond yeah exactly
2: right so now with chin and duggar you're going off of the question of what i saw at the senior bowl with their athletic profile how high am i willing to value these guys when pretty much the only thing their tape is telling me what is what i already knew which is that they are redonkulous athletes right 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 and for me which i should really go back and watch all the senior bowl refs specifically for these two and really make sure i feel comfortable in this take on live viewings i didn't see kyle duggar do anything that jeremy chin couldn't do i agree and so if you're telling me duggar's a sleeper round one dude if you're telling me duggar's top 50 dude and i can get jeremy chin at 75 Mm. uh, like even if i think duggar's better the degree of certainty that I can stamp on an evaluation of a player who played at this low of a level with this much of an athletic advantage is very small. So, if I'm going to take a gamble on either one and one of them costs me 50 and the other costs me 75, I want 75. Don't care which name it is.
1: Yeah. Bad news on that I want the second. Right. I I agree on the value and where Doug is going to be hyped more than Chin during the broadcast. Jeremiah mentioned that Chin would be gone before the third round. <laughs> he said he was talking with an NFL team. Yeah, The which, hype on which, this kid is, is there. I mean, the NFL was. His right. stock isn't rising. The NFL knew, which is a shame.
2: Right. I mean, like... <laughs> for me. I like, Again, like, I, you know, for the, for the gap between the senior bowl and the combine, I was just like, why aren't we right. talking about Chin and Duggar in the same breath? Same. Now that you have actual numbers on them, it's like, all right, well, here we go. Yeah. Both Chin and Duggar make a huge amount of sense for Philadelphia. If Philadelphia is going to have the requisite humility to admit either A, they're not resigning Malcolm Jenkins, and he's not coming back. Mm-hmm. B jank is beginning to fall off they shouldn't sign him to a big deal they should extend him for a year whatever right because the thing with like jenkins really trying to push for this new contract is jenkins knows his his hourglass is running out in terms his of his flexibility, yeah, right yeah. so when they go to the negotiating table with him i think the thing that he's going to be pushing for and the thing he's going to be asking for is guaranteed money years and well, right okay like, yeah exactly yeah yeah. i think he's going to want and have you know seasons worth of longevity right and so it's tricky because the only way the Eagles end up going after a Chin or a Duggar is if I think they know that they've only got this season left of Jank. Mm-hmm. Maybe they have no seasons left of Jenkins if they let him walk. Mm-hmm. But the reality is these two dudes, and I would also throw in Xavier McKinney who couldn't finish testing because he had an injury. Yeah, leg cramps. Yeah. Ideal in terms of the with McKinney, it's it's the it's the uh, the mental game and it's yes. where he was deployed in, in the Bama defense and it's, it's the recognition and it's the instincts. He doesn't have the size chin and duggar to be that quasi linebacker on on the line of scrimmage overhang dude i mean it's like these guys are bigger and better athletes than Jenk ever was mm. so there's a the question of how do you trust them mentally to kind of step into that role because if, if you don't resign jenkins and you need him to be there year one but you know me man i've wanted third safety forever you and too. i'm enamored with chin and duggar yeah so like sure but they the, the only way the eagles go after them is that they really have a a path to getting them on the field and i don't think they will
1: yeah Yeah, I think we're on the same page here. And you mentioned McKinney, who is like a a smaller dude than them. But Alabama played him because they had some injuries. They played him at the nickel linebacker spot because they needed somebody to quarterback the defense. And McKinney is that smart, that smart, stable dude that you can rely on to call a complicated defense as he did at at Alabama. So that's a really good point. That's like that's the Malcolm Jenkins type right there. I mean, to a T. That's what Jenkins does on this defense. Uh, Last one I want to talk about quickly. Are you in or out on – because pe- opinions are everywhere on this guy. Antoine Winfield Jr. from Minnesota runs a four-four-six, which I think is a good box for him to check because I wasn't sure he was that fast. NFL Bloodlines, instinctual player, what do you think his value is right now?
2: I didn't like him on – I liked his film. I should rephrase that. I liked his film. I did not think his film illustrated the athletic ability that led to being a long-term NFL starter. And then I see these numbers, and I go, well, something's lying to me. It's these or it's my eyes. Right. So, Winfield, like, I got to go back and watch them. Because I have them low. Low. Same. Relative to the rest of the safety class. And, yep. like, I love me an instinctive player. I love me a hard-nosed player. But I love those guys at later picks than Winfield is alleged to go. Right? So, I'm in a tough place with him right now. I I, I... I, 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 I I'm hoping to get the Winfield evaluation right by April. Right now, March 2nd, March, March 3rd, I don't have it right. You know what I mean? Like, I, I, I either missed something or I really got to plant my flag in that I don't believe these numbers accurately portray his on-field athleticism, which would be weird because I think he's a smart player. I think he sees it quick. So, like, why isn't he playing quick? I don't know. Either way, yeah, I'm worried about Winfield. I don't. I, I. I. don't have a good spot on where I am on him right now.
1: So the next thing I have to do is watch some more linebackers. So we should. We should talk about that soon, including uh, Willie Gay Jr., who tested uh, ridiculously uh, incredible. I just st- the I,
2: I, watching the linebackers makes me sad because Why? I watch one. I'm like, this player is good. The Eagles won't draft him because <laughs> yeah. he's, he's good and he's going to go too high. Yeah. And then I watch another dude and I'm like he's bad. The Eagles might draft him right because he will be there. <laughs>
1: God. Yeah, yeah, it's depressing. So we'll talk linebackers. We'll talk some other uh, overall draft takeaways maybe later this week, early next week, something like that. But for now, Ben, that's going to wrap up uh, episode 175. Would you say goodbye to the gentle, gentle listeners? Hello. I say goodbye. Hello.
2: Oh, I was just just say hi. Okay. Thanks as always. listen to Kiss and Select Show here on BGN Radio. Appreciate being back in the chair. Very glad you joined me. Uh, this was episode 175, which was going over some of our post-Combine takes as well as reacting to the Jason Peters news. As it is March 3rd, we are about two weeks away from the onset of the NFL year. And, of course, that means only 10, 11 days away from the legal tampering, quote-unquote, period <laughs> opening up. And we can actually hear who some of these free agents Eagles are going after. There's been Byron Jones reports abound. there have been a Marty Cooper reports abound. No Joe Schobert reports. Very confusing why those wouldn't exist. But I'm certain we'll hear them between now and then. Eagles free agency upcoming. We will have all of March to deal with you on that, as well as March and April to get you prepared for the draft. If you enjoyed the show, please rate, review, and subscribe on whatever app you listen to your podcast. If you leave a four star rating, it won't work. If you leave a three star rating, your phone will shut down. If you leave a two star rating, your phone will transform. I e the Transformers movies, and uh, it'd be Decepticon. will attack you, and if you leave a one star rating, we will we just find won't you. Be fr- we just won't be friends. No, we'll so, find you. We will find you. Five star ratings, please, and everybody <laughs> will be safe and happy. Uh, he's been Michael Kist on Twitter at Michael Kist NFL, It's S T. I've been Benjamin Solak on Twitter at Benjamin Solak. That's S O L A K. We will chat with you later this week.
1: We all we got. We all we need. Fly eagles, fly.